Hey everyone, Paul here. Before we get started with the show, I have some announcements for you. The ISSE is just around the corner. It's January 26th through the 28th. It's three days. It's awesome. It's in Long Beach. It's produced by the PBA. It's something you don't want to miss. We're going to be there. We're going to be teaching five classes. Two of them are free, so you can just show up and get in. Three of them are paid, so you have to go online from their site, at the, the PBA site or the ISSE webpage, or if you go to our Instagram page, the link in the bio will take you to their page, and you can sign up right there. This is going to be great. It's definitely one of the shows you don't want to miss. We also have our ongoing training. We announced it a while back. We still have openings January through May. We have two days. We have five days. These are only for experienced people. If you have like two years or more, the two-day is great. If you're still relatively new learning lashes, like six months or more, you want to come and take the five-day course. Hey, even if you're experienced, like years, we had someone who had eight years experience and took it, it blew her mind. She loved it. So this is definitely uh, either two or five days. It just depends on what's best for you. So go to our link on our Instagram page and you can go there. Or if you go to our website at integritylash.com, you'll find a link underneath Integrity Lash Bootcamp. We also have been doing this guest announcer thing. It's been awesome. We love it. If you want to be a guest announcer, what you need to do is look in the show notes or we will go into our Facebook group and you can find the information there and you just have to read the script. Say your name, where you work, your company or whatever it is, and your handle. And we'll give you the script. You don't have to make it. And just submit through your phone, maybe as a video, and email it to paul at integritylash.com. And then out of all the people, we'll pick someone and we'll go from that. Also, we have a Facebook group, Integrity Lash Bootcamp. You want to join that because that's where we give more bonus material. We have our Instagram page, but we also have our Facebook group, which is private. And you have to ask to get into it. So go and join that. I promise you, you're going to get some great content in there. And and lastly, uh, we've been doing this for a little bit now. If you go on Instagram and you repost our podcast, you know, take a screenshot of this podcast, Lashcast, and then repost it there, we will pick every couple of weeks, we're going to pick a winner who does it and give you a $25 Amazon gift card. How about that? So that's all I have to say. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, this is Tara Walsh, and I am The Lashpreneur, and today's guest announcer. You can find me on Instagram at The Lashpreneur. Cue the music. In an industry where most of us spend the majority of our time working alone in a room, we wanted to create a podcast where you can learn, be encouraged, and find a connection with other lash and beauty professionals. This is the Lashcast Podcast, and here's your host, Mr. Polly Paul Lubers. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Professionals for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am right now with my two amazing lash stylists, as always, Tusney and Erica. How are you both doing? Fantastic. Having a good one. Having Fantastic. a good one. It's raining today in LA, yes, so it this is, is it's a rare really day. a special day. It's also our daughter's birthday, so happy birthday, Fiona. Just thought I'd throw out that. She doesn't listen to our podcast, probably, <laughs> but if she ever does, maybe she'll be shocked to hear it. Um, anyhow, we're really excited because we're doing something that, for us, is like something we've been wanting to do forever, and we have a really special guest. So, Erica, why don't you tell us who we have on our podcast today? 
Well, we are so happy and excited to introduce Shelby Tarleton, who is not only the owner of two locations of Pink Lady Lash in Austin, Texas, but she is also the host of Lash Boss Radio, which is so fun. She is a trailblazer in our industry, and she's one of the nicest people, honestly, we've ever met. And it's just an honor to have her here sharing her thoughts and experience with us. So welcome, Shelby. Yay, Shelby. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, this is very exciting. In case you guys don't know, we're doing this as a co- kind of podcast so she's on our show today and what you should do as soon as you get off of this podcast you need to head over to last boss radio and listen to us being interviewed by her it will by far be a less interesting show because we're not that interesting but i'll say her show is awesome it just will be us as a guest it's like uh, okay (laughs) but that said we're really blessed and we're thankful to have you on and just be grilled by three of us this will seem like an interview for a job but don't worry you'll get the job (laughs) it's all good so one of the things that's neat i think we really almost started within weeks of each other doing the podcast so yeah it's really kind of cool to see us both here almost a year later kind of plugging away digging doing this thing it's not an easy thing it doesn't just take a few minutes of our day it's something of a passion project for both of us yesterday we sat down to a little pre-call and we said there's a few things we like to go over and so we'll just hit those we first want to talk about shelby about your history kind of what you got into lashes why this then we want to go into what it means to be a lash boss since that's your radio show, I thought we might as well ask you, what's it like for you to be a last boss? And then we want to talk about team-based pay, which is just something where we did an episode a few episodes ago about it, our journey a little bit and why we do it. But Shelby recently has been on her own journey, and we're just going to peek into that a little bit because she's just starting the journey. And then lastly, we really hope to get to, if we can, really what it means to do a podcast and explore that whole thing. So we'll see how far we get. If not, we may do a two- or three-parter, maybe eight-part miniseries. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. But but tell us, why did you get into lashes? Why not makeup? Because I know you love makeup growing up. Well, I actually, I was going to UT, which is a college in Austin. And I was doing bridal makeup through college. And that was just a really high stress environment for me. And I loved it. But it just kind of made me realize that I loved the beauty industry. And I went ahead, I still got my degree in sociology through UT. And then as soon as I graduated, I went to beauty school. And I think I had already heard about extensions already because I had an idea of like how to do it. I think I was just looking at videos and turns out I really liked it when I tried it. So I just kept at it and I didn't really get attached to anything else like waxing wasn't my thing at all I have some horror stories about (laughs) waxing I agree I just really liked lashes because they're so beautiful and it's just instant gratification and it's a very like therapeutic thing for me I'm not a very patient person so it's just really fun to do and I still love it and After that, I did a lot of stuff, which I'm sure we'll get into. I've worked for someone else. I've worked for myself just doing mobile lashing. I've worked from home. And yeah, so now I'm here. And But that's how I got started. I have a question. You said that the bridal makeup was a little bit stressful. Was, yeah. it, was it the brides or was it like... Bridezillas or Yeah, I'm sure you do bride bridal lashes. How is that different than the stress that you had as a makeup artist? So... When you're there on a wedding day and the bride is so concerned with how she looks, obviously, rightfully, and 
it's just a lot of pressure to make it perfect. And although most of the time I got it right, it still was the whole time I was working on the bride. I just always felt so nervous and I didn't like feeling that way. And just, I'm a big like energy person. And there was like a lot of nerves all the time with the brides being so stressed out themselves. And I felt like it kind of transferred. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're even like kind of mean or short with like their family or friends too, Mm -hmm. like on that day. And um, it's just not good vibes when you're in that room. It's not <laughs> a fun environment. I did that for a while too, actually. And yeah. I, everything you're saying, I'm like, yep, that's so yeah, true. That's yep. exactly, yeah. Or then there's like the moms that are really uh-huh. mm-hmm. or, like overstepping bounds and saying like, oh, like, is that the lip color you guys chose? Mm-hmm. And you're like, this yeah. is the lip color we chose, mom. <laughs> like, yeah, I exactly. totally understand. Yep. Yeah. It was not fun, but um, I have no idea what you guys are talking about, by the way. That's just totally clueless. What? You know, stressed out brides. That's guys, we just have it easy. We just show up at the wedding and get married. I know. Mm -hmm. Well, not in our situations. You did all the planning in ours. That's okay. That's (laughs) another story. (laughs) So, if you could go back in time before you started lashes, what is something that you would tell yourself, like your adult self now? To enjoy every part of the journey. So, when I was in college. I would not pay attention in class because I was already planning owning a salon and I was writing out all of my ideas in class and my grades suffered from that. I ended up having to do an extra semester or two because my grades were so bad. Mm -hmm. And then when I got to beauty school, I also kind of had my head in the clouds with that as well. I loved beauty school, but I was still so like thinking so far ahead that I wasn't enjoying the present time. And then even when I worked for someone else in any of the other situations I worked in, I was never truly happy. I felt that I was just always looking for the next thing to make me happy. And if I could go back, I would just tell myself to kind of just slow down. It's all going to work out just like you want it to, but you have to enjoy the process too. There's no race, right? You're not trying to get to the finish line quicker. It's not like I do all this and I can quit at 25, right? There's just different things, stages. And you went through many stages. You said that you were mobile, you've worked in a salon. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've done all these things. What was the impetus that got you to change from one to the next? Was it just always a drive or was it like you got to a certain level like mobile wise, like, okay, I got enough clients. I'm ready for that next stage. How did you make that decision to move from one next to the next? Cause we have a lot of listeners who are at all different stages mm-hmm. and everyone always wonders like, when am I ready for that next step? Mm-hmm. Well, I worked for someone else in a different city. As soon as I graduated, I moved to Dallas, which is just a few hours away. And I was working there for only probably five or six weeks. And I came back home for a boy. Um, (laughs) And so I was doing mobile lashing. And I think I hated lugging my stuff around. Oh, that's the worst. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of the driver for that. Just very simple. I just didn't like doing that. So I started lashing at home and realized I couldn't grow doing that really. I didn't do it correctly. I didn't have like my own room and have it all set up super cute. I was literally lashing in the dining room, which is um, on the dining table. No, uh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, you're not supposed to do it that way. So I ended up running a suite and I did that so that I could 
have more potential to grow. And I opened up the suite and I had literally five clients. And at the time, lashes in Austin weren't a big thing. So a lot of people will tell me like, oh, you're the first person that I ever heard about lash extensions from. Like there weren't a lot of choices at that time. So I got really lucky. And after that, I guess I just waited until I was fully booked before I started looking at spaces to open a salon. So... Can you tell us where the idea of owning your salon came from? I mean, what was the impetus for that? Was it something that you always wanted to do or what was that spark? So I've always been just kind of like a entrepreneur my Mm -hmm. whole life. Whenever I was younger, I was always doing like lemonade stands and just little things to make money. And I loved having goals and working towards them. And it was easier to do them. Like I knew that I could achieve it and more than I could under someone else in my head. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I had that drive and the vision for it too. I have tried to hire out other roles because I feel like my role is best as the visionary one. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was going to be a lot easier than it was also. So when I was doing bridal makeup, I was doing that on my own. And I just figured it would be easy because I had been working on my own so much. So I was kind of used to that atmosphere, just not really working with other people as much. And I just had all these ideas and I just thought I knew so much and I knew nothing really. I I go back and I look at that notebook that I used to write in my ideas and I honestly knew nothing. So I've come a long way just by learning the hard way. So sounds like it was just kind of in your DNA that, you know, thinking like out of the box and doing things, uh, creating things, opportunities for yourself. Like you said, the lemonade stands was just part of your DNA. And so it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's, I could do this. It's like within the realm of possibility, I'm just going to go for it. So it mm-hmm. sounds like that's kind of how, you know, either you were raised or how you're born. That's like, oh, I, it's an opportunity. It's a possibility. I'm, I'm going to go mm-hmm. there. When you were in college dreaming about your salon, did you want to be solo or were you always thinking like, I want to have employees one day or how did that look like for you? Yeah, um, it's hard to remember how I used to think back then, but I have the evidence from that notebook and I did have plans for employees the entire time. Even when I was in my suite, I remember thinking about my future salon. It was always part of my plan. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that my parents raised me too, my dad is very, he's a really good man. He's very logical and he supports me in a way where he lets me make my own decisions, but he's there guiding me if I ever like go off track a little. And then my mom's very like empathetic and caring and very supportive in like a more motherly nurturing way. And so I've just always felt like I can do anything. And if you work hard, then it works out. But I later found out it's not just working hard. It's not just putting in a ton of hours. There's so many other things that you have to actually know. But I at least had that kind of support system too, which helped. Now you had a minor in business, right? In school, if I remember, I would listen to your, I went back and listened to your podcast about yourself just to take some notes and remember some things. So one of the things when you did that, did you find that that was helpful? Did you learn a lot of things there? Because I know earlier you decided to do nothing, but does school get you at least some basic principles in place to be able to help you? Because I know sometimes I tell people maybe it is not a bad idea to go mm-hmm. get Or did know, it translate or did it not translate? Yeah, or maybe it was just a bunch of information that was useless, unfortunately. 
I actually didn't really take a lot from the business courses. The only thing that I did take was about branding. Mm -hmm. The professor, I remember the first day of class saying that you are your brand, Mm -hmm. like how you present yourself on social media and how you present yourself in public all you know, is part of your brand. And so I started to look at how I used to post on social media and not be super annoying or too like opinionated. I don't know. I I used to just like watch that because I knew one day like I would have an audience appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So that's something I took from it. A lot of the stuff that I took from college was actually from my sociology courses because hmm. it's more about like people and I just feel like any sociology course is pretty beneficial to get through any part of life but <laughs> yeah yeah but I'm sure for dealing with guests but also with once you had staff right it gave you clues and tips and ideas of how for to manage sure. how to motivate how to engage people better and understand them better right yeah. yeah, emotional intelligence is a really big thing with business, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since we're, I just mentioned employees and talking yeah. about staff, I kind of want to transition to the next portion, which, you know, your podcast has got the great title, it's The Lash Boss. And I'd like to talk a little bit about what you think it means to be a lash boss. And when I say lash boss, I'm not talking about like a solo you know, practitioner, somebody, you know, we all talk about mm-hmm. that and people love to, you know, call themselves lash bosses and things like that. But really a boss is somebody that has people underneath them, right? Or so it's staff. like, right. If you're, are you really a, a lash boss if you're by yourself and you're bossing yourself around, right? Yeah. Well, they're bossing the lashes around. Oh, yeah. is that what it Get is? in line. Okay. Right. Don't you think that it has like a double meaning? Like people are like, oh, I'm a lash boss. Yeah. I slayed that set. Oh, I guess it's so. Yeah. Okay. There's a new meaning there. Yeah. Do it like okay. a boss. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Right. But I'm actually talking about, you know, the boss where you're actually hiring and hiring. Hi- yes. Yeah. And managing people. So what are some of your biggest pain points currently in being that lash boss? Pain points? What do you mean? Pain points. Like things that are difficult, things that are... The struggle you know, with, The maybe. struggle with. Like for us, it's about communication. That's, that's yeah. always a, a challenge, It's a right? big one. Big one's communication. And really, we have a unique challenge. I'm the only guy in our salon, and yeah. we think we've come into it quite a few times. I need to learn, I think, at times how to better communicate in a way that is... Is not uh, is um, empathetic masculine. It's not as masculine. Yeah. You know, I have to yeah. emasculate myself. Uh, but um, that said, but it's just because you work with women. There's, we, we do communicate differently as men and women. And, and we think to just be And think differently and to be insensitive to that and aware of that would be foolish to be emotionally unintelligent, actually. And mm-hmm. so for uh, me, that's one of the things I'm learning and growing and always having to kind of go back and learn again. So, but yeah, communication well, for us is a big one. Your pain points are probably why you're choosing to do team-based pay too. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. another one right now, but anyhow, yeah, something yeah. that you're going through. Well, so going back to like the definition of a lash boss, it's for me, it is kind of two meanings. Like in the case of lash boss radio, it's bringing on lash artists who inspire other people. So if you notice who I have on my show, it's usually people who are some type of leader. Mm -hmm. Some of them have been solo people, but they are usually trainers or people that have like a voice in this industry. And I kind of want to amplify the voice for, to get to more people, but a lash boss can be someone who technically isn't even a boss, but it's just somebody who, I just see like a lash boss versus lash tech, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, like a lash boss is like someone who is like very engaged with the artistry of lashes 
and continues their education and just is always striving to be better. And so with the pain points of, you know, what I go through as a lash boss, I feel like sometimes it's a little bit harder to get taken seriously. I'm only 27. And when somebody finds out like, oh, you're the owner, like you look really young. I hear that every single day. And it's like, yes, I am. Thank you. Anyways, isn't that amazing? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just like, what does that have to do with, you know, anything? But in this industry, a lot of us that never went to college and some people think that people who are in the beauty industry just kind of took the easy way out. And so I just want more artists to strive for better and to have more of like common knowledge about what we were talking about earlier, like best practices and stuff and just trying to do the minimal or minimum, sorry, mm-hmm. and be professional and run your business the right way. And so I see that there's like, just in this industry, I feel like sometimes we aren't taken seriously. And I just, that's the biggest thing. But, you know, being a leader and being a boss is so difficult in itself for so many different reasons, because you wear so many different hats a lot of the time. And you also have to keep yourself together every single day when you're in front of your staff. And that's really difficult to do, especially if you're upset about something or you're going through something. We all do. And you want to be their friend, but then you also like have a really serious talk you have to give them and like just finding a balance between those things and also trying to keep clients happy and reviews and everything, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Love balls the jungle to be a good last boss, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I like what you just shared. You know, it just completely makes sense now with Lash Boss Radio. It's a platform for artists and leaders to, you know, you're holding up the bar and you're saying, this is a high bar and share your knowledge and share what you know with other people so that we can enrich our whole community. I love that. Right. And that's good because this last year, I feel like there's been a big shift in our industry. I see a lot more people sharing, a lot more people supporting others. And then you have people like mm-hmm. Tara from Lashpreneur out there and Lash 401. And all these people are doing great stuff to help raise the bar. And I think you coming out doing the same thing, I think it's great. I didn't even know that was why you did all this when you first told us this yesterday. I was like, that's super cool because yeah. it is true. We need to be more willing to share the information so we can learn from our mistakes and so that someone new doesn't make mm-hmm. the same mistakes that Tusney made 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like exactly. we can, we don't have to do it over and over and over mm-hmm. again. We could share and help each other out, which will actually grow our industry. I think one of the yes. things I see is bad work actually destroys our industry. Yes. And you run into people who go, oh, I will never get lashes again because yep. I did it once. And it was horrible. And yeah. you know, that's going to really hurt our industry. We got to be willing to share and be kind and support each other. And clients get confused when they're told, keep your lashes dry for 24 hours. And then someone else says, no, you can get them wet after your appointment. And then someone's cleaning the lashes before the appointment. And then someone else isn't. And Mm -hmm. it's confusing for the clients. And so if we all kind of have like standards, then it's easier to grow our industry period, because then we have more clients that are wearing lashes correctly and doing the correct aftercare and then giving extensions a better name and so I believe the same thing you do that if we all kind of grow together then everyone benefits from it it actually hurts your company if everyone's doing different stuff I feel like Right, yeah, it's yeah. because of consistency. We need more mm-hmm. consistency. I actually Tara right. Walsh once said she thought about we should have a, like a last congress 
where we come together <laughs> yeah. and at least agree on some certain basic principles. And I, mm-hmm. at first I was like, I don't know, but more I thought about it, wouldn't it be a bad thing to just kind of have like, you know, we agree to these principles as an industry, it would be great. We're not saying that, you know, you can't go outside the box and be creative, do different things, but there's some things that are pretty much best practices, best practices right? right? Yes. And I think like, you know, Whatever that is, we can like you said, wedding lashes. We talked about that a couple episodes ago. So yeah, we can get past all the misinformation and get to the real stuff. And then the areas where creativity, like what type of lashes you use, how much glue, and all that, that can vary a little bit because obviously some people do things a little bit more differently. But anyhow, we want to go back down and circle back around and come back to some of the struggles and, and pain points that of maybe, being a lash boss, of, no, or just you know running a salon. Oh yeah. Oh like, okay. All yeah. right. So there's. A lot. The financial liability is pretty scary if it doesn't work out the way that you want it to. So there's a lot of risk involved if you don't know all of your numbers. And if you're not financially literate, it can kind of run itself to the ground, even if it appears like you have a successful business. The commission-based model specifically was a really bad decision to start with. And I really regret doing that. And thankfully we got through two and a half years of doing it that way. And it's actually from you guys where I learned about team-based pay. And so I'm in the process of changing to that right now, but there's a lot of stuff that like salon owners deal with on a day to day. And you see so many clients and everyone's so concerned with like how they look, of course, because they're paying for like a service and there's a lot of people to please. And then training someone to be as good as the rest of your staff and you want them to be trained very quickly, but you need them to be doing it the exact right way. We're working around people's eyes. So that's kind of tough and they don't teach this stuff in beauty school or at least in detail. So you do a lot of the training instead of someone who does hair. A lot of their training was in beauty school and you get them right out of beauty school. They can at least probably do a highlight and cut, I'm sure. Right out Um, of school. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. That's actually one of the biggest things I think that we struggle with because there isn't this preset, like they get 1600 hours in California. So Um, in the state of California, 1600 hours, hours they get to practice Mm -hmm. doing hair before they get into a salon. And even then the salon world is expected that you're going to spend anywhere from six months to two years as an assistant. I mean, it's really crazy. And in the last world, it's like, actually you don't need any certification, just have a beauty license. And then you don't even have to be training lashes. You can just start Watching YouTube videos and go out there and open a shingle, I mean, you won't be open long because you'll destroy everyone's lashes. But (laughs) it's a really unique challenge that we have. And then we're responsible as business owners to train those people and get them up to speed. So how it looks like in the real world is like someone comes in to work for you. And as they're getting up to speed, maybe they miss the mark and the client's not happy. In that situation, you know, you as the business owner has to come in and either pay for the stylist to fix it or whatever it is to bridge that gap to make the customer happy. That risk and that liability falls on you because the uh, lash artist isn't quite up to speed yet. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a burden, right? Right. Do you find yourself having to, do, I don't know if you do this yourself. I know Tustin, she has many times has to come in and fix the work herself because maybe the staffs are booked or, you know, or you don't want to pay the overtime. Do you find yeah. those type of struggles at times or maybe you've gotten your staff at a level we've, where you don't? 
the team that I have now is there's less and less of that. But in the beginning, there was a lot of fixing work or trying to convince people that this artist is good. I promise. Like I've been training her. You can go to her. It was hard for me to get out of the chair for a long time because of that. And um, I couldn't do everything. I couldn't do all of the roles. And I was very overwhelmed because I was either teaching someone how to do something, fixing something that they did, trying to work on someone else, trying to do the marketing. And at the end of the day, still trying to be sane. And um, (laughs) so, yeah, I saw a lot of that just because there was so much lack of education prior to coming to work for me. And the good thing is about that is you kind of get to teach them the right way from the beginning. The drawback is that it takes sometimes a really long time to get them to a certain level. But yeah. yeah. Now, um, you said earlier that you wish that you had not started out as commission. And I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the mm-hmm. podcast. But I was wondering if you could share a little bit about yeah. why you wish that or why you think that. So in theory, it sounds really good. It's like, okay, I can pay 40% commission and the other 60% is going towards business costs and like just the cost that it takes to keep the lights on and do marketing and everything. But what I found was for some reason, and I couldn't figure it out at first, I could not figure it out. I just thought like, if I hang on a little longer or maybe next year, it'll work out. But for some reason, it was like, our payroll was a huge chunk of our sales and I couldn't figure out why. And it's because when you do commission, the cost is so variable. And so you kind of never know what your payroll is going to be. And when your commission goes up, then so do the taxes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're also paying desk and there's just no way to predict the financial future for the company at all. And a big reason why I opened my second location was because I thought, oh, okay, well, if I'm only making this, that's crazy. So maybe I should just open a second one. Right. And, and it'll get better. No, right, right. So then after that, I regretted it almost immediately because right. I realized, oh my gosh, like I just got myself into even like a bigger right. mess and my expenses were even more. And right. it, the more people I hired, the worse that it got. And you would yeah. think it's the opposite. And it's really not like that. And it wasn't until I started to pay attention to my numbers a little bit more, I had to take a step back completely from lashing and just work on my business, not within my business. And I started to see where it was going wrong. And it was because the payroll was so high. And then when I heard from you guys about strategies, who does team-based pay, I'm not paid to say this and neither are you guys. And I know that you guys talk about team-based pay because you actually love it. And I am starting to really love it too. So I want to literally shout it from the rooftops and help other people never make the mistakes that I made. But when I heard, I kind of just looked it up and I saw it. no one's getting a pay cut. And I was like, huh, how does this work then? Because Mm -hmm. I already can't afford this. So how (laughs) is that going to work? And, um, you know, I just started learning more about it. And it was kind of like, when I went to that conference where I met you guys, the first hour I was sitting there and the introductions and Mm -hmm, stuff, mm -hmm. I kept on getting tears in my eyes like the whole weekend. But I was like, wow, this is going to save my company. So like from going to a reality, like I never thought could happen, but 
if I would have kept on commission, I probably would have one day had to close the doors because I wouldn't be able to sustain it. And it's so sad because a lot of owners I think are in the same boat and they don't do anything about it. Completely. It's like before you understood the numbers, it was like, you're kind of in the dark, you know, you're just Mm -hmm. like, I don't, because the payroll is so variable. You can't predict how much somebody's going to work or how much you're going to have to pay out. Well, you think this, this is the logic you go, well, I don't have to pay them unless they're working. Yeah. I mean, in California, that's different. You have to pay for every hour now in California. You actually have to give them an hourly wage when they're not working. Plus commission. Plus commission on top of that. But in other states, you think, oh my gosh, if they come in, they do one client, only pay for the hour and a half, it's all good. So I'm not out anything. It's not that much of a risk. But what happens is what works for maybe one or two employees with commission, where I think maybe that can work, it doesn't scale. And it it breaks down, and it's so counterintuitive. No one understands until they're in it themselves. Right. Yes, and the biggest thing that it is, it's not just about the pay. It's more like the mindset. So when you're on commission, like, "Uh, I did enough clients this week. I'm just going to block myself off. I'm going to go home because I'm in Mm -hmm. charge of pretty much how much I want to take on. And you either have this mindset like work is kind of like a drag from that point, or you – a lot of the things that – were going on in my company where uh, the girls would block themselves off and say, I'm going to run errands for three hours and their three hour break. And then somebody would call while they're out and they would want to come in and they couldn't. And so we had no available times to put anyone else on the book. So we couldn't grow. And the commission based model is just so it promotes such a selfish way of thinking. And I'm not calling any of my staff selfish or any of anyone else's staff selfish, but it does promote that way of thinking. And well, it's a system. The system promotes it. It does because it doesn't reward anything except the actual work on a client. Right. And it, so people aren't incentivized to help a teammate or to do something outside of that, you know, because you know, you expect people to work for free. I mean, we had staff and not with us now either, but, who told us, I'm not going to do the front desk lashes. We were like, well, they need to get done. They're like, I don't get paid, so you pay me to do them or I'm not doing them. I yeah. mean, and I, I get it. I mean, you shouldn't work for free, yeah. so, but it's, it's an odd place right. to put it's, yourself it's in. It's the system. Mm-hmm. It kind of, it's the culture that it promotes that kind of more of a self-focused kind of thing. Yeah. Right. So... One other thing, too, I want everyone to know, your employees are W-4s. They're not 1099s or W-2s. Right. Which is very unique, by the way. You can probably go through 100 salons, hair, nail, lash salons, and probably 95, 98, 99% of them will all be doing 1099s. So Mm -hmm. you even feel it more because if you don't know, um, when you decide to make your employees actually employees, you take the tax burden. So for every $100,000 in, let's say, payroll, you're going to pay an additional $9,500 in IRS taxes. And right. that adds up real fast and, and yeah. takes up almost 5% of your budget when yeah. you're going just to taxes. And I went into this when I built my team, really wanting to take care of all of the girls that worked for me. And being that type of boss and having a commission based model was a disaster because I kept wanting to give them more. Like, yeah. and I, was paying so much in taxes. I literally was not paying myself. And, um, my friend, Gloria, you guys met her. She said (laughs) she was reading a book and it said, who is your best employee? And I was like me. And she was like, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And and you don't pay them. You're free. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) 
So, and it's crazy because I used to pay myself and then I stopped. And even whenever I was still doing lashes and trying to run everything, I wasn't paying myself then. I don't think I paid myself for a good like year. And it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. You, you don't I, go into it for that. No, I, I know that you really care about your staff because mm-hmm. you do something that's really rare in our industry. You provide health care benefits for them, right? So yeah. I just want to give you a, 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 a pause yeah. because, you know, <laughs> that is a rare unicorn thing to do. And mm-hmm. you take care of them and you, you put your money where your mouth is. And I mean, mm-hmm. that's a cost for us, you know, but it's really demonstrating that you do truly care about your team. It, I think this is where people don't understand. When you become the owner, you are the one that gets paid last. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like everyone thinks, "Oh, you're the boss. You're making great bucks. You're, you're cackling it. all the way to the you, bank." Yeah, every night you pull up the truck, as we talked about, and you load in all the cash. And <laughs> they don't realize, no, actually, everyone else has to get paid, and then if there's money left over, we get paid. And, right. And that's not why anyone went into business. And I think that's what the commission model breeds. And, yeah. it's, and even worse, sometimes people in commission don't even understand that. And they even think that you're making more because they go, well, if I'm only making 40 percent, um, that means they're making 60. So I'm sure they're getting like 20, 30 percent of each person themselves, which means they're paying themselves like five times what I'm making. And, God, and then you just, I, wish. I know, yeah. I mean, I would have take, I'll, I'll take that world any day, but it's a <laughs> fantasy world. It doesn't exist because no mm-hmm. one understands business. No one understands numbers and no one understands finances. And like you said, the team-based pay allows you to finally get control of your budget. Not so you pay mm-hmm. them less, but right. so that you can actually plan your budget, have a real budget, stick to that budget, and then eventually pay your staff more. Eventually people in our salon will make more. I don't know about you, but I've had a team member left and she told us when I leave, I will be making $200,000 a year. I'm like, I hope you do. That'd be awesome. I don't make that, but 200 a year, that's big time money. And I go, how are you going to do that? Because last year you only brought in $110,000 into the salon as a whole, like what you brought into the company. How do you do that? And she goes, that's all I brought. And I'm like, yeah. And she, cause she thought she brought $300,000 into the company. Golly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where you realize there's a disconnect. They just don't understand the numbers. A, you said it earlier. It's a financial literacy, right? Yeah. You know, it bothers me when I see girls do that to themselves. They think so little about themselves when they work for someone else, or some people do. Mm-hmm. And we see the brands sometimes advertise you're going to make X amount per year if you work on X amount of people per day. And it is so unrealistic because... It's for so many reasons why it's you're not going to constantly be doing full sets no. every single day. Like, and there's cost too, and you paid a lot of taxes as well. Like at the end of the day, no, you're you may not be making more than you were when you were working for someone else, and you're going to have double the headache and double the responsibility. And so it's disappointing to see people like get so down on themselves and think that they're not successful because they work for someone else and they just want to go so bad on their own. And I've been there and it's not as pretty as it seems. I really want to just dovetail on that and say, I really agree with what you're saying. What I think happens, and sometimes you go to a class or you see something posted on an ad, what you're talking about is when that company posts what's called an ROI, which is return Mm -hmm. on investment. And what they'll say is like, if you see, you know, 
five new sets a day, you can make 350 a piece. And then you get this distorted idea of what you can make. And I, I agree with you. I think it's such a disservice to new people coming in because it's not giving them the full story. It's giving them right. just like the best case scenario that's only going to happen like maybe 1% of the time. And if you think if you're going to have five new people a day, that means no one ever returns. So you're horrible <laughs> and yeah. no one likes you. Yeah. And you're going to somehow find a way to trick everyone to keep coming back as a new client and yeah. it's ridiculous so it's kind of like right. you know what we're both doing with these podcasts we're really trying to educate people and help people see the best practices so they can see through those things and it's not mm-hmm. you know if something is too good to be true it probably is mm-hmm. right there's yeah. no easy money in life mm-hmm. there's no easy mm-hmm. job where you just do it I mean just like you've said opening the second salon or even the first one they're hard it takes so mm-hmm. much more than you expected and that's right. everyone kind of thinks oh you open a salon and now you're making millions and it's a silly and, and mm-hmm. hopefully we can Better educate and give classes out there or something about financial literacy and help people understand what they can really make. By the way, as a side note, I've spoken at ISSE in Long Beach a couple of years now and taught classes on business there. And I asked them, you guys ever charge for the business classes? And she says, no, because no one would show up. No one will pay for those classes. They'll pay for hair. They'll pay for nails, lashes. We teach lashes that people pay for. And the truth is this. When my classes were small, I mean, I had like eight people in one, I think 15 in the other. And I'm teaching basic principles of business about how to charge right and all that. And then we do a class like on lashes and the room's packed. You know, everyone wants in. but So everyone wants to learn the art, but no one wants to learn well, the business. Well, it's not very sexy, is it? <laughs> you know? Well, it's, yeah. it's sometimes maybe they don't want to know like what they're doing wrong or, or they think, you know, if I get better at lashes, then it's going to work out yeah. or then this will happen. But you do have to know that stuff, even if it's not fun. Like, yeah. you have to. We said earlier, it's like being in the dark, right? And then your mm-hmm. thought was like, oh, well, I'll just open another salon, you know, and then the good stuff will happen. But again, it's like even being doubly in the dark, right? If you don't know right. your numbers, you're always going to be in the dark. That's why yeah. strategies is wonderful because they just help turn on the light. They don't do it for you. You have to do it yourself. But they turn on the light so you can see and give you systems so that you can figure it out. And once you know your numbers, then you are kind of in the light. So we've talked a lot about, you know, being, you know, business owner and running a business and everything like that. But let's talk a little bit briefly about is it okay to just be an employee or, you know, uh, is it okay to not? I mean, a lot of us as lash artists want to do our own thing. I mean, that's kind of what's promoted in our industry. But is that a mark of failure? Is that a mark of somebody who's not reaching very high for the stars? What do you think? So I think that every single person has a different idea of success, but every single person that's in the beauty industry has been exposed to someone saying like, oh, are you going to do your own thing or, or something? Mm-hmm. And so they all start to think that that is what they want or that is what they should be wanting or should be doing. But if you actually think about your own little soul and what it truly wants out of life, How can you achieve that? And you can do it in so many different ways. It doesn't always have to be through owning a business. You can be fulfilled doing things outside of work as well. Like your career doesn't have to be your life as, you know, I've made mine. And, you know, some, a lot of other business owners throw a lot of sacrifices into running a company. And sometimes being an employee is beautiful because you're part of a team. Someone's got your back. You do answer to someone, but that also means that you, have someone that is looking after you and will take the like share the burden or the carry yeah, the load. Well, 
they'll be on the front lines for you. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, we get a bad review, uh, a lot of times it will say my artist, this and this, and a lot of times doesn't even mention their name. And like, if it's a bad review, they'll talk about their experience, but it goes on your business forever. And <laughs> thankfully in the past, uh, anytime we had a bad review, it has been removed by the client by choice. They, I didn't ask them to, but they, a lot of times don't see that it's an employee working a job. They just kind of saying pink lady lash, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And they're not saying Sally may blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so as an employee, you don't have to necessarily worry about those types of things and the marketing and the money stuff. Like you get to show up, work, do something you love with a group of people that hopefully you love. And then you get to go home and enjoy your life. And a lot of my girls, they have kids and husbands and they get to still enjoy so much of that, that I have had to sometimes sacrifice in order to keep my company going. And I don't get the luxury of just going home, turning on the TV and, and any of that, like my life is sometimes so much more stressful. And the other thing is you can't show that most of the time you have to put on a brave face. And as an employee, you don't even have to think about stress the same way. Like you have different types of stress, but I always say that like from a scale of one to 10, like you need to always analyze what your situation is. And like a 10 is like a parent dying or a child dying. And most of the things that people ever get worked up about are like twos or threes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as an employee, everyone will still have like eights and nines and tens. But for me personally, in the last couple of months, I had a couple of eights and nines and I couldn't tell anyone about it. And as an employee, it's, it's just different. You don't have that load. And I know the difference because I was an employee and I had no idea the type of, like, I love owning my company and I love being a business owner, but it has been very dark sometimes too. And I just kind of see my employees just, they have a little bit more pep in their step and they're just, the ignorance is bliss. It's bliss. (laughs) Yeah. Like for me, sometimes, you know, my family or friends, I don't let on too much with them either. But like recently I I started opening up a little bit and they'll say, you'll figure it out. You always do. And I'm like, I know I do, but I'm still, I have to go through it. I I know the time is going to pass anyways, and I'm going to get through whatever it is, but going through it seemingly by yourself is so hard. And, um, I think it's awesome that you guys are like a team because you guys have that support constantly, even at home. And that's beautiful. I wish I had that, but it's so scary sometimes. And if you're not a business owner, it's not a bad thing. It's Mm -hmm. actually pretty cool. And one of the things we're doing now, and may Erica could speak into this Mm -hmm. is we started a leadership team because I realized we were holding things too close to us and say, we're doing everything. And so learning just, to delegate and yeah. learning to get more help with it. And more feedback. We have a little board now. And, and we meet um, every week. And, and in fact, I know I love too, is like Erica last night, and I'll say lovingly chastised me, said, well, you kind of didn't do this right. And, and it was, she was dead on. And I love that because it helps me look back and go, okay, I can do better. And I mean, maybe for you as an employee, I know you can share your perspective on that. How's it helped you be more engaged, care more? Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, you find those people that you know 
want to step into that role. And I think, you know, for me, it's like, they might not tell us everything, but you, like you were saying, you can feel things with your brides. Like you can feel if you feel like they're stressed or if you feel there's burdens happening. And if you hopefully love where you're working, like you want to be able to step in and help. And so I think especially with like our leadership team, them being able to delegate tasks, like even if it's a small task for me, I'm like, okay, this is great because it's giving me more ownership and giving me something different to do because I don't, at least right now where I'm at, I don't want to own a business. I don't want to have employees, but I am a leader and I have a little bit of that entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. in me. Mm -hmm. And so being able to find people on your team that can step into that role and take off the burden who want to help take off the burden because they care, like I care about them, you know, because how they're doing, it does affect how we're doing. And yeah, I don't know. I think just like having that ownership, it makes you, or at least me, it makes me like being here even more. And it's like, well, I feel the responsibility. I feel like things I have to say they care about or my opinion matters and they value it. And that makes me just much happier, I feel like. And so I know that's probably true for the other girls on our leadership team, but I feel like it's mutually beneficial for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I tell the team, we can do more as a group than we ever could as an individual. And if we really want to have an impact in this industry, if we all insist that we're all going to work by ourselves for the rest of our lives, we're going to have no impact. You just There's only so few people out there who can work by themselves and have that huge impact. Uh, but as a team, our capabilities grow immensely. I mean, Erica's speaking at ISSE in these last two years, and Tustin, and we have our other gal, Christina, and Love is going to join this year, and I just want us to continue to grow that, and I see we will do more. I mean, Apple computers, I always think of Apple computers, just a side note here, but Steve Jobs could not have built Apple computers by himself. He had to bring a team on, get creative people who had all different talents, and then rally them together and do something great. So I, yeah. I think we need to encourage that more in our industry. And I, I know I've seen you and talk about in your podcast, and I've seen you know with other guests saying, you know, stop putting down the idea that Sloan owners, you know, being an employee is a bad place. I mean, it's right. it, there can be incredible joys, incredible victories, and I think even more impact as an employee or as a team player. I only you know, like saying employees as much as I like saying our team. Yeah. To me, that yes. that means something more to me. Or I've heard other places use family, which yeah. is really cool. Mm-hmm. But it's because I, we're unified for a cause together, yeah. you know. My team, we do refer to each other as a team too, and like a family. And it's funny because I will never say one of my employees or mm. like someone that works for me, like I feel weird about that. I, yeah. I still say we work together, together or something. Yes. And then if we're ever in public together, cause we have like team bonding stuff sometimes. And if someone ever asks me, Oh, what, what are you guys? And they'll be like, Oh, that's our boss or something. And I'll look at them like, I hate that word. And it's funny because <laughs> like I, I have like lash boss radio, yeah. but yes, yes. I don't like them to call me their boss for some reason. I want us to feel more unified, but I have like one of my favorite quotes is if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah. And it's just kind of like about being on a team and getting to achieve stuff together is just, I feel like so much more rewarding and there's a better shot of you guys achieving something together than by yourself too. It's richer. And finding people is difficult. Like find that right team. How have you, in that area for you, how have you gone about 
hiring? Do you have a system in place or do you have an ideal, like, I know we sometimes talk about having an ideal client, but I've learned to think more like an ideal team player too. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I got really lucky. Two of my girls, one of them is a manager now, and two of them were ex-clients of mine. So they were getting their lashes done by me and then came on board one day. And most of my team has been there pretty much since the beginning, like at least two years. My other manager for the original location, she was with me like on day one, the day that we opened. And I think that I look for character so much when I hire and I look for people that have a good heart and they might be like a little shy at first or um, maybe a little unsure of themselves, but you can still see that someone has a really good heart, like the first few seconds that you meet them. And I really love people who are just honest and loyal. And um, so I try to ask questions that kind of open them up and I can start to see like their character and because I'm going to train them anyways, the same way that I train everyone. And so I've gotten really lucky. I have had to let some people go in the past, but I still think that they're great people and everything, but it just wasn't a good fit for reasons. And for the most part, I feel like I do a pretty good job vetting who comes in the door, but I kind of look for people who, yeah, who just have a good heart and work hard and just our loving, you know, and those are the best team players, I feel like. I think for us, I mean, I say this now, whenever we make a bad hire, it's my fault. It's not their fault. It's mm-hmm. like I should have been smarter. I should have been more intuitive and I should yeah. have been able to see that they were a square peg trying to get a round hole. And so, I mean, back six, seven years ago, we'd blame them. Ah, they're just bad employees, da, 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 da. And we went, no, actually, we were just bad employers, sadly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish I could blame them, but it's my fault. I should have known better. I either had warning flags or I just hoped that we could train them or coach them or win them over, and that didn't quite work out. Well, and now yeah. you have some of us yes. interview them too. So mm. he does all the heavy hitting interview, but then they have to like they have pass, to pass through us. They have too. to get through Tao. They have, they have to get, get through, through Tao, which Tao is our toughest interviewer. Is she's, she really? She's nasty to them at times. <laughs> she's our front desk manager. And actually. she's the kindest person in our company. She wins employee of the year, all this stuff. Every but year. She, <laughs> yeah, but she is the sweetheart of our company. But at the she's same like time, she's like a pit bull. But she's we a get pit bull get, get, with new people. With she's new like, people. gotta get through the door. We've had some employees have come on, like, I was scared of Tao. And then they, the first day on the job, they came in, Tao hugs them and <laughs> buys them food and does all these things. She's like, okay, I guess I got Tao wrong. She seemed mean <laughs> yeah. in the interview, but now she's super sweet. I didn't know that. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. That but is. that helps because we pick up on stuff that maybe, mm, you know. Right. I think that we've even almost hired people and then mm. we told him no and yep. then he like, doesn't nope. hire them. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I don't trust my intuition anymore. <laughs> it's so expensive to hire incorrectly. If you put hours and money into training someone and they don't work out, it's so expensive. And a lot of times I too, like if I've let someone go, most of the time I cry about it after, like when I'm on my way home or something yeah. and I start to feel really guilty. I'm like, maybe it was me. Maybe I wasn't specific enough when I trained her. Maybe I didn't train her the way I trained everyone else. Like, and I start always thinking that it's me, but just sometimes it's not a good fit and yeah. or not the right time. 
Well, I think it's always good to be reflective about our mistakes, our missteps, so that we can learn about it, right? That's how we get better. And exactly. Actually, that kind of leads us into our next topic is that one thing that's really important to you is always being a learner, right? Yes. Um, so can you talk about like the training that you do? What's your philosophy on training? And are you reading yeah. books? Are you doing those kinds of things? So when I train someone, whether it's someone to come work for Pink Lady Lash or when I train outside of that, I try to teach people how to think. And that might be because I'm a little bit impatient and I don't like repeating myself all the time. (laughs) So if I can teach someone how to think about something and the concepts of whatever it is, they're going to be a great artist with me outside of work, everything. So I try to teach the concepts behind like adhesive, for example, instead of saying, if the humidity is this today, you're going to use this adhesive with the black cap. If it's this, then you'll use the one with the gray cap. And I used to teach that way. And I was answering questions I felt like people should know. And so I I was like, I just need to teach people like how to think then, because Now I can show someone, like, if this is happening to your adhesive, this is what you do to fix it. And then they're just more intuitive and they can work through their own problems as they go through their day or week, you know? Yeah, that's fantastic. It's a great philosophy. I don't think I've ever heard it quite explained that way. I love that. Teaching people how to think versus what to do. It's actually like the idea of you can teach them what? Uh, if a water or, no, no. If or, you yeah. give a person a fish, then you feed him for a day. <laughs> if you, or, if you, or yeah, if you teach him to fish, you feed him for a life. Yeah, yeah. or if you cut up the fish, you get sushi. <laughs> I remember that's an old saying of someone. I don't know. Dad teach, joke. I teach a lot of like problem solving too. Um, like if your client is having this problem, it could be this. It could be this. It could be this. And kind of like like a flow chart almost. Mm -hmm. I think that's what it's called. Like a troubleshooting chart. mm -hmm. Yes. And we talk so much about concepts and we talk about emotional intelligence and like, instead of saying like, do you love your lashes? As soon as they get up, because they're going to say, yeah, I I do. Because they know that you're expecting Mm -hmm. that answer. Just say, what do you think? Or um, is there anything you would like different for next time? And it's not just about the artistry of lashing. It's also like how you um, manage your clientele too. Mm -hmm. And we have happier clients when we give our clients a voice and when we actually have the intention in our heads of getting the set exactly how they're seeing it in their head. So we ask them more intuitive questions Mm -hmm. about what they're kind of expecting it to look like. And then I teach a lot about, you know, just the basics and also just more advanced stuff like design and everything. But it's such a long process to teach someone how to be like performing at the standard that I feel like we all have at my salon. And um, if you have the right type of person that likes to learn and that is coachable, it's very easy. If you have someone that's very stuck in their ways, it's very frustrating. And I usually let that person go pretty quickly. So I agree with that too. When I, we do an audition when somebody comes in just because I just want to see what they're coming in with in terms of their muscle memory. Can they hold tweezers? Yeah, (laughs) that kind of thing. But I'm also looking during that time, are they humble? So if I say something that I can challenge them on, like, uh, let's try to do this a little bit differently, or can you put more adhesive on or, or something like that, or push a button somehow, I really want to see, 
are they going to hear that? Are they going to argue with me? Because it's important for them to be a learner. Otherwise, we're going to be butting heads. Yeah, if they're defensive from the get-go, the training process with tests is going to be hard because it's hard already yeah and if you're not humble it just won't happen it won't work exactly we don't hire that person Uh, we don't we used to there was a time where we said well we'll work around it Mm -hmm. but if they shudder or do anything where they're like or worse start complaining like oh you just can't do that it's like oh my gosh i can't deal with a complainer who always has excuses for everything yes oh my gosh yes i know exactly (laughs) no i I call people out though when they do that tell Um, me what do you say I don't want to regret saying this, and I hope she's not listening, but <laughs> I had someone before say, like, well, I'm used to having two lights on both sides, so, like, the left eye, I feel like, was a lot harder for me. And I said, well, yes, usually starting out, one eye is harder than the other, but um, she used to work by herself in. Mm-hmm. I was like, because both of the eyes look similar in the critiques that I'm giving you, I don't think it's the light, but like just saying like, oh, okay, well then here, let's put another light on the other side. Like I would rather them acknowledge, like there's a possibility you might just be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so let's like, let's go from there. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, let's get on to another thing that's kind of connected to what you've been talking about, and that's team building. And I think you've done some pretty cool things as far as team building that maybe you could share with our listeners. Uh, because I think if you have staff, aside from, you know, I think communications and managing and leading, those are important stuff. But you want to inspire a team. You want to build a team. You want to do stuff. And you shared it even early, like you guys do stuff outside the salon. What are some things that you've done to help build your team and, you know, get you guys connected and unified? So I've taken my staff on like little getaways and we did that for the last two years for our anniversary. And it was a really fun experience getting to bond with everyone. And you really just get to know people outside of work and like what they really care about. And it was really relaxing. This last one, we went to Lake Tahoe and coming all the way from Texas, like that was a really big deal for a lot of us because we had never been. And it was such a beautiful experience and I can't wait to go back. We're actually going to hopefully do that every single year. Um, now you paid and for everybody. You you made the arrangements and you- yeah, I did. They paid for their flights and I paid for the stay and the food and did all of the planning. But yeah, it was fun and it's something that I want to continue to do and hopefully be able to actually cover their flights too. And I think it's important to do that because I didn't do it to prove a point, but it does kind of show your the team that you really do care about them. And I think they already know that, but it's, you're putting your money where your mouth is. You're really living what you believe. And that's praiseworthy. And and you actually have to care about them. I feel like there was one day, if any of them are listening, they're going to remember this, but there was one day, none of them know this. um, I had to have a really serious conversation with them. And there was a incident with a client and the client was really upset and it was handled incorrectly by three different people, including the manager. Oh no. And I was really disappointed. Um, and that manager and I were really good friends outside of work as well. And, um, even when she was telling me about the incident on the phone, I was like, I have to let you go. 
and I will talk to you tomorrow because I couldn't, I had no words. And then (laughs) I said, I sent a message and I was like, there's a mandatory meeting tomorrow morning at this time. And so everyone came and I was like, usually at our meetings, I open up the floor to everybody and it's a conversation. And today I'm going to talk. And if you feel like you have something to say, you can pull me aside afterwards. And I talked to them about how disappointed that I was. And, um, Even the manager was like, and she was really disappointed, you guys. She didn't even have words for me last night on the phone and kind of trying to take some of the blame for the team. She was doing that, and that was sweet. But, um, you know, by the end of it, I was about to leave, like to go to the other salon or go back home, I think. And every single one of them pulled me aside. And I didn't say who the artists were that messed up or anything, but every single girl pulled me aside and was like, if that was about me, I am so sorry. I do want to be here. Like every single one of them was in tears. Every single one was like, I'm so sorry for disappointing you. I feel terrible. Like, and I had to keep a straight face. Like it hurt me to watch them, like try to prove themselves or like just feel bad. And I was like, dang, like, I know I was really harsh, but I had to be because of the situation. And, um, like there's times like that where growth is so uncomfortable, but it's better for the whole team. If you just have those hard conversations sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, um, on the way home, I cried so Mm -hmm. much because it broke my heart to just like, you know, I love them all so much and I'll, I'll do anything for them. And I think that's what also makes a good leader. I feel like I'm not trying to call myself one, but if I had to say anything, it's just like, you have to genuinely love them and like want so much for them. And in return, I find that they kind of want the same things for you. And it's easier, like this team-based pay thing is going to be so easy. I feel like for my team specifically, because we already have such a strong culture, it was just the financial part that was really messed up. But I just had to share, like, I think with my team specifically, like building those bonds, it happens a lot of times inside of work, but also outside of work too. And then you actually have to have that love and respect for them as well. And like, it will shine through, like, even if you have to have a hard conversation, they still know that you really do love them. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's great. And that's one of the things that stood out about you guys last year. I remember seeing that. Cause I've only seen one other salon do something like that where they took their team away and paid for it all. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's super cool. I mean, it just, again, shows that there's something special about you and you what you're doing there. You are a good leader. I'm just going to say it. I know you're not going to say it about yourself, but you are a good leader because so, you really you really do care and you show it. Thank you. And if any of your employees think that differently, they can email me privately and I'll let you know later. Okay. <laughs> 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 we'll have a conversation. I need to let you know. Sally thinks this. No, no, we won't do that. I'm sure that would never, ever happen. But I think another thing, too, that we should try to go over, and then we'll probably make this our last thing we talk about, and that's you and the podcast, like, and and how you got started, some of the struggles of doing that, because I think a lot of people out there don't realize that most of us are now content creators. If you're in business Mm -hmm. and you have an Instagram account, you're a content creator, and you have to deal with this idea of what are you going to say to the world? And mm-hmm. you had to do that. And you had to face, I'm sure, challenges and what makes you so special that you should have your own podcast. Why should anyone listen to you? Uh, maybe you had insecurities of dealing with why would one, someone want to even be on my show? Like, I, yeah. I'm just the Shelby here in Texas. So maybe you can share us a little bit about your journey of getting to do the podcast and you know some things you had to work through to get it. 
So the reason I started it was for just the industry. Like I felt like I was always in forums seeing these silly questions and the same ones over and over. And then people would give really bad advice. And I was just like, I hate this. Mm -hmm. I hate like (laughs) even like convincing clients of like, no, this is the right way of doing stuff. And like students I would have, sometimes you get like a really defensive student and it's like, why are you taking a class then if you know everything? (laughs) So um, I just was like, what is a way that I can spread knowledge through the industry that will be more accepted one day and like more widely accepted? I love podcasts. I listen to like Tim Ferriss um, is my favorite one. I love listening to his interviews and I'm like, okay, so the best way to prove that you're right is getting other people who are world-renowned experts or um, just amazing at what they do to say what their opinion is as well. And um, so I had this idea to start bringing on guests who I look up to and it took off and I love doing it. It's just sometimes very overwhelming and doing podcasts is so fun, but it's also just, you guys know, sometimes like it gets nerve wracking and a lot of times I get really nervous. Um, I'm more of a, I'm an introvert and I'm pretty reserved. So it's been like an obstacle I've had to like overcome and it's just been a fun journey so far. But I think I took like a month off for personal reasons. I was just not able to, um, produce any content because I didn't feel like the best version of myself at the time. And so that kind of was scary too, because I felt so much pressure to keep Hmm. pushing out content. And I was like, no one's going to listen to me when I post my next episode because it's been four weeks and they lost interest. And yeah, I don't know. It's really fun though. But the reason I did it was for the industry, really. I'm so thankful that you did. We love listening to it. We're always waiting for the next one. And the people that you had on are great. I mean, you have a wide eclectic view of people, uh, just uh, Mm -hmm. people that are great in the industry, like you said, that are movers and shakers. Yes, exactly. And I think we said this yesterday. One of the things I've enjoyed with watching your journey in this is, and I said, told us when we first started ours, that we're going to suck, by the way. We're going to be horrible. I'm not (laughs) saying you were horrible, but I knew that when we started. I was. We were, we're just not going to be good. It's not going to make sense. We're not going to flow. We're going to be nervous. We're going to. Awkward. And we still do. I mean, I've already, at least in my mind, two or three times here today, that I've like, ah, that was stupid. I know. But (laughs) that said, you've grown. I've been watching you and you're getting better and more comfortable and more at it. And I was concerned about I felt like actually when you did go dark for a while, We're I was like, like oh, oh, I need don't to give up. I was like, don't, don't give up. It's like that muscle, right? You don't want to give it up because you get out of sync. And you see this all the time with yeah. people with blogging. I mean, I, how many times have I seen someone go, hello, world? This is my first blog. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And that's their last blog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like never to be seen again. And I've seen the same thing with podcasts. I've known of at least three other last podcasts have come and gone, sadly. And I've known people do YouTube. And it's just like, it's a tough thing to just stay in there and keep doing that it's fight a muscle and, and muscle to... and yeah, keep doing it no matter what. Even when you hear negative feedback, right? I mean, that's something you mm-hmm. don't want to let you get down. And I know we didn't get into, but you shared your story about how you 
we used to do YouTube when you're in high school and some kid yeah. got you discouraged and you felt like giving up and you, that you kept pressing forward. So, I mean, kudos to you for that. So thank you. Do you have any struggles now, now that you're in the mix doing it and you've gotten past that first initial, what's your biggest struggle doing it day by day? It's just balancing everything. I mean, yeah. we get to work through or fight through to get that podcast well, done. Just because I also run two salons, um, just trying to allocate my time correctly and, sometimes I feel like I have so much to do that I'm like, I can't do any of it. I'm not, I can't today. And I think my biggest struggle now is like, I have this pressure that I put on myself to like do, I guess just more and be better. And like I said, I get nervous sometimes about some of the stuff that I put out or like whenever I start interviewing someone I'm just worried if like about the listeners and what they want and am I doing it the way that they want me to and as as I've started to get a little bit more of a listenership it's like it's gotten worse I feel more pressure but I think I'm in a good place now and I'm back on track and I have a ton of interviews to put out in December and I'm trying to get caught up and next year I think now I have like more of a schedule and I know that I never want to do that again where I take a month off and um, get that overwhelmed but I'm excited for next year really just all the new guests that I'll have and exciting things. Do you have any new things that you're thinking about doing differently like as your podcast evolves? I know for us things continue to evolve uh, do you have any thoughts or any, or any is this ideas? all stuff you're thinking you want to keep it Anything in top secret? <laughs> so I haven't shared this. I was planning on it soon, but I'll share it here. Oh, um, exclusive. Okay. Um, <laughs> just, just wow, we have some banner, but there's no it's video okay. here. This episode won't come out tomorrow. Right? No, no. It's um, true. Yeah, 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 actually, I might, I might have announced it by the yes. time this comes yeah. out, but um, I'm bringing the podcast to YouTube as well, yeah. and I hope to um, to actually travel to the guests um, oh, or wow. have them travel to me and do like in-person interviews as well, or and just do more YouTubey things as well. So, so bring back your YouTube passion from high school and all that. Yeah, heal that wound. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I know. <laughs> and do not delete the videos. Yeah. Oh yeah, the last ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so glad those other ones aren't up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I looked for them. I thought I might as well look just to see in case she didn't. And I was like, oh, she did. Yeah, there's that- one. There is one, and it, I think there's one. It's like how to wax your eyebrows at home. I think I'm 15 years old. And I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting in my bathroom like. And I did a horrible job, and you should not follow that <laughs> tutorial at all. That is so <laughs> funny, though. That's, That's awesome, like, though. It's like an homage to where you used to be. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of advice right now would you give someone who's thinking about content creation? Maybe they're thinking about doing a blog, or maybe you know they're just doing Instagram, but they're kind of nervous about doing stories, or made the IGTV. I mean, there's so many ways now to get out there and, and begin to share your story and influence people. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to get started and you can always evolve and get better and don't put too much pressure on yourself because at the end of the day, you're doing it for a good reason. And usually it's because it's fun to you or it's a passion project. And when you start getting too serious about it or taking yourself too seriously, it takes the fun out of it. So... No, that's dead on. I think it's right. That's why we were very much like, just do it. 
You know, you'll mm-hmm. fix it later. You improve it. You'll upgrade it. I mean, it's just the way it is. You can sit exactly. around all day and plan and plan and plan, and then you'll never do anything. Mm-hmm. And that's kind exactly. of the way I think a lot of people are tempted to, to operate. So, yeah, just get out there and do it. Do it. Uh, they say, just do, do it. Or was it your impression of Rocky? Oh, yeah. That's my just, impression yeah. of Rocky. <clears throat> Go for it. Okay. No, no. <laughs> that's Rocky okay, Three. That's really was that bad. Rocky Three or Rocky Two? No, it's the one with Mr. T. Three. I think that's three. Yeah. Hey, I mean, all right. Go go watch it, stupid. and you will be like, man, she nailed, nailed it. it. Nailed it. Awesome. So, well, a couple more last questions, and then we will. Uh, well, we're gonna switch roles here soon, and you'll yeah. get to hear that half of the podcast over in Shelby's world. Um, who are some of your social media influences and, you know, your crushes? I mean, who are the people that you get excited to follow and see what they're doing? I have so many. Okay, well, there's a couple then, maybe. <laughs> Gosh, I love, like, Elena from Lashmakers and Trina, Maven, um, Tiana and Crystal and Meg from Wink Lash Products. Um, some new ones that I've really liked looking at are Ava Scarlet Beauty, and um, I really like Melissa Atlash. And one who I think I talked about, it was last week, I posted something that said tag an underrated lash boss, and mm. I put who I wanted to tag. It's Lash and Lemons. Like, that is the oh, cutest name <laughs> ever. <laughs> and her work is beautiful, too. Wow. But yeah, I have many. If you look at the people I follow, you'll see. And then right now, anyone who wasn't mentioned by Shelby, don't take it personally. She just mentioned a bunch. So she loves you too, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> so, but that's cool. That's great. And my last question for you, and this is something we generally ask all our guests, and this is something I think I told you I'd ask, and that's what kind of legacy do you hope you leave? Like, you know, you're still young. I'm like, I'm an old guy now, but you're young. You're still so new out of the box and you got a long history. God willing, you know, next 40, 50 years to bless the lash industry. I mean, by the time you're my age, the industry will have been so different. Um, what kind of legacy do you hope do you leave our industry or really in your life? I want people to just stay humble and to try and tie together like emotional intelligence and science and artistry all together because um, with lashes, you kind of need all three and just kind of never stop trying to get better and never stop um, learning because the industry has changed so much already and it probably will continue to. So don't ever get you know, complacent. And I hope that people remember maybe the impact that I left with like trying to bring other people into the spotlight and to try and get more people's voices heard and bring awareness to our industry too. Very cool. I, I imagine well, that you're you know, already doing. Yeah, you're already having <laughs> that impact. Doing definitely. That. And, you know, just imagine 30 years of Last Boss Radio. I mean, one point, oh my that, gosh. that'll be. <laughs> Episode 2055 or something like that. You will... Uh, well, that's kind of neat to dream. I mean, yeah. we'll be able to be cheerleaders by your side saying, we remember when yeah. we first Yeah, I'll be in a nursing home being fed applesauce. But <laughs> oh other than that, it'll be... <laughs> I'll be listening. I'll promise you that as long as I'm here. We'll so, always be fans. Yeah, so thank you so much for coming on to our show. Mm-hmm. It's very cool, mm-hmm. you guys. If you don't... Actually, well, tell us where they can find you. I'm sure everyone already knows that yeah. who's listening, but you can tell them where they can find you. You can find me on the podcast, 
apps and your phone or just lashbossradio.com. Also on Instagram, lashbossradio, and my salons are Pink Lady Lash. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And uh, hopefully if you're in the Texas area in Austin, swing by. I'm sure she would love to yes. take your money, get some lashes, or, or meet you and just hang out. She's of super course. sweet. We actually met her in Texas of all places at the mm-hmm. Team Base Pay yes. Conference, so that was super cool. Thank you so much for being on the show. And really, we, there's not enough time. Everyone's going to look at this on the thing and go, oh, my gosh, it's a long episode. No, I feel like we talking. Like, <laughs> I can talk for another hour, two hours, or maybe all day, all night, and then people yeah. would just shoot me for making such a long episode. <laughs> so that said, thank you so much. Otherwise, thank Great job. Thank you. Thanks, Shelby. Bye. It's time to wrap this party up. We'd love to continue this discussion online via social media. Please follow us on Instagram at Integrity Lash and at Lashcast Podcast. We'd also love to hear from you with any questions, suggestions, or feedback. Your comments and questions really help us decide what we should cover next. Please also subscribe and review and share our podcast. If this program is helping and inspiring you, please tell your friends. On behalf of our engineer, Britton, my Lash experts, Erica and Tusney, and our special guest, Shelby, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing, and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.